adesso parte il tiro, rete, 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 un gol straordinario! Buon Halloween a te! Va bene se hai paura, ma lascia un'apertura, non perderti le meraviglie del terrore. Spegni pur la luce, che i fantasmi non ti vedranno, ma stai pur certo che ci proveranno. Tanti auguri di buon Halloween, tanti auguri di buon Halloween, buon Halloween! Wow, welcome to Rated This Way, a Calcio podcast that brings you the news and analysis from the world of Syria and European soccer, all the way from the beautiful country of Canada. Uh, this is a spooky episode of Rete This Way. <laughs> As Halloween is around the corner, um, my name is Michael D'Angelo, and uh, of course, as always, uh, we have... Howlo <laughs> no baloney fang doni. Oh <laughs> <laughs> Hello everyone. We have uh coach Chris Buskellington. <laughs> Good evening. Uh and of course we have uh Oogly Boogly Boolean <laughs> D'Angelo. <laughs> I thought you were going to go with Julian Goolian. It would have worked again. <laughs> I was just going to do Boolean, but, uh, but Boolean is its own thing. It's, uh, it's actually not spooky at all. I thought Oogly Boogly Boolean was a lot better. Oogly Boogly Boolean, you know what it means. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, welcome to the show, everybody. Um, we, uh, again, this is a spooky episode, so let's, uh, let's get it, guys. Feel free to be as spooky as you want to be this episode, okay? Um, we have uh, a fright-filled episode <laughs> in line for everybody. We actually have, again, there's a lot to get through. We have um, the latest round of Serie A match days. We have last week's uh, European cha- like uh, Champions League and Europa League uh, games that we, we're going to touch upon as well. And then we're going to preview uh, all of the European uh, clubs like all the Italian clubs in Europe uh, and who they're going to be playing next. And uh, yeah, and then we're going to end, of course, with the City B Minute, but uh, it's going to be a, uh, a jam-packed episode, so let's get to it. Uh, okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to start actually with the uh, Friday game, uh, which was Sassuolo uh, playing Torino. Yeah, so <clears throat> Sassuolo is almost becoming like last year's Atalanta, where every game they play seems to be... Very exciting, lots of goals. Uh, so this one finished 3-3. And when you hear Sassuolo, Torino 3-3, you probably think, you know, Sassuolo got out in front and Torino had to claw back into it. But it was the exact opposite. It's two weeks in a row now where Sassuolo basically leaves it to the last 10 minutes uh, to turn the Jets on and come back. Uh, two very nice goals in this game. Uh, what, uh, one from Judicic, which was Sassuolo's first goal. And then Sassuolo's second goal, which was from uh, Vlad Kirikas, um, wonder strike and from a center back. So highly unexpected. Um, I think the highlight, though, of the game, maybe, guys, is the, the fog that crept over the field throughout most of the game. The, the commentator <laughs> actually made a good point at the beginning. He goes, I hope nobody 
uh, you know, just shelled out a couple thousand dollars for a brand new 4K TV and then tuned into this game because um, you couldn't see much. So Yikes. Um, it's unfortunate because the Kitikas goal was a wonder strike and I wish there were some better, you know, angles to show, but entertaining game, fun game to watch. And uh, I think for Torino, glad to get a point because they had none coming into this, but we'll, they'll be disappointed they didn't come away with three. Uh, yeah, was, and again, good. Yeah, go ahead, Julian. I was going to say it was a little foggy, almost like they were getting ready for Halloween, right, Michael? <laughs> Jesus. Enough. Yeah, well. Someone should have like a Halloween pun <laughs> count. <laughs> it is like a Halloween pun count. I think we're at like, what, five already? Oh, probably higher than that. Yeah, something like uh, that. Maybe. <laughs> we're definitely at, this is the third time I think I used that uh, Howling Wolf sound effects so we'll see how many more All times right. i can use it here i'll let me uh, i'll mark it down here <laughs> yeah well uh, I, I watched the game as well it was uh, again chris chris said very difficult to watch um <clears throat> because of that I, I i was flipping between uh the Serie b game that was also played on uh, uh on friday but uh, i did i did truly enjoy uh how sasuolo came uh, came back into the game that they didn't give up uh also credit goes to jim paulo for uh you know actually picking up his first point of the season uh, I just want to point out the fact that I was reading reports that uh, Jim Paula has five games uh, to save him uh, to save his job. Uh, if uh, you know, if he doesn't come out with at least uh, the majority of the points of those five games, I think um, that he's going to lose his job in the in the next international break. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's tough for them again. To Chris's point, they were uh, they were ahead right, and then until the last. Uh last 10 minutes of the game, right? That's when uh, Sassuolo came back. Yeah, so I was, just, I was just saying, like, that's, again, that's tough for them to uh, have that. And then they almost had it in the bag, but against Sassuolo just will always kind of scrap for what they can get. Yeah, and it helps too when you can bring on, you know, arguably your best player in Jeremy Bolga in the, you know, 75th minute to really put the pressure on. So, uh, Paul, I think we were texting during the game and, we both kind of noted that when Volga came on, things were going to change, and they definitely did. Yeah, and as you said, Chris is, is the Swole's best player, and uh, the Kyrgyz the scored that that massive bullet after Volga came on. So, of course, uh, you never, never can count out uh, Swole in any of the games that they're going to play this season. Yep. Yep, very true. Okay, let's uh, let's move ahead to Saturday. Um, so that was, again, a, a Friday game. Now, on Saturday, we had uh, Atalanta against Sampdoria. Uh, I, I watched this game from start to finish. Uh, it was a very entertaining game. Um, Sampdoria came out 3-1 winners. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, the first goal, Sampdoria started a quick counterattack through Damsgaard, uh, who sent in uh, Fabio Quagrello one-on-one with Sportiello, and then stepped over Palomino, who then smashed it in top shelf. Uh, again, Dam, Damsgaard, again, central theme of, of, uh, of that game, uh, created another play uh, near the edge of Atlanta's box, who laid it off to Thorsby. Played a 1-2 with Yanto, and then uh, Yanto played in uh, Thorsby, who headed it home uh, for the 2-0 lead. Uh, Sampdori failed to clear um, their, their box off a corner, and then uh, after a vibe review, um, it was a uh, Kate Balde was uh, conceded a penalty and it was turned uh, converted by Zapata. Um, uh, for me, that was yeah. yeah, that was not a penalty <laughs> whatsoever. That was there was multiple 
incorrect uses of VAR and proper uses of VAR, whatever you want to call it this week. Um, that was This week, yeah, for sure. That was the first one. Like, that was... I don't even think Keita made contact with him. Well, it was setting the tone for the rest of the weekend. <laughs> yeah, the, it, it was. Uh, that, that was a good point there, Mike. But I, there was a bit of contact. I could see why the penalty was given. But again, it, um, there wasn't enough contact to, to make it a clear foul. But... But I understand even Calvarezio, the, the ref, actually went to go look at it. So I give him credit for actually looking at the replays of VAR, uh, at VAR, um, which did that did not happen the rest of this weekend, but we'll get into that later. So, uh, I mean, at least, at least he made an effort to go look at it. Uh, but either way, the penalty was converted, and uh, which, which let, allowed Atlanta to get back into the game. Uh, Again, this is so. This is the second time, uh, two games in a row, that uh, Claudio Ranieri side scored three goals against a team playing in the Champions League. Uh, again, Yang to again uh, started off a quick break with Keita Balde, and then uh, played a one-two with Balde, who finished it off at, at the uh, at the far post. So I do want to point out that uh, I'm I'm officially jumping on the Claudio Ranieri Scudetto bandwagon uh, because uh, I mean this, this has some similar uh, similar um, similarities with his vibes, vibes. with the, the mm-hmm. season at Leicester that he had, you know, I think, uh, I think that was his second season, if I'm not mistaken, the first season, he kind of struggled, finished mid table. Uh, and then, and then this, and then the second season is when, you know, they started gaining momentum. You, the authority was carrying them uh, for the, uh, for the entire season. And you could just tell, like, I, I'm enjoying watching Sampdoria without any fans because you can just hear Ranieri's voice from the sidelines, just shouting out instructions. And for me, like, just as a as a purist of the game, I, I'm just truly enjoying, uh, like, just those interactions between uh, the coach and his team from the sidelines. I will give you this, Paulo. So he is four points. Uh, his side, Sampdoria, is four points behind uh, league leaders Milan. And, uh, I mean, you have Atlanta and Juventus who are tied on points with them, but uh, that's it. They're clearly in the best run of form of those three teams that we just discussed. Um, And, yeah, it's – hey, anything can happen. It feels like this season especially – something crazy might happen. Let's see Sassuolo take well, it, right, guys? Sassuolo, yeah, Sassuolo and Sampdoria are the only two teams in, what, the top half that aren't actually in uh, European competitions? Uh, yeah, I mean, to find top well, half, first, I guess, like, you know, half of six. Let's say, up. Uh, yeah, let's say this, yeah, so Sam, let's say Sam's at yeah. seven there, so exactly. Um, Sassuolo and Sampdoria, so Sassuolo at three, Sam at seven, and then even... Uh, Hell's Verona at eight. Um, again, it's still early on, but still, like they're that's another another team that's uh, that's doing particularly well, considering uh, where you'd expect them to be. Yeah, yeah. I just want to say I was a little again. I mentioned this last week. I was a little early questioning Atlanta's uh, defenders, but as we've seen over the past couple games, they've they've struggled a little bit in the back. So that's something they mm-hmm. definitely need to fix because there's no way. As much as we'd like them to score five goals a game, that's realistic. Yeah, it's not sustainable, happens. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just want to point out a, exactly. a stat. Um, so, uh, Illichich has started uh, Atlanta's last two Serie A games, and both games uh, ended in, um, you know, big losses uh, for Atlanta. So, I um, I don't know if it's the right strategy to to start to start uh, Illichich from, um, from the beginning, 
Uh, I know, like, uh, Jay Gasparini is trying to rotate a squad, but you, you can't keep dropping points in Syria this early on, especially against um, uh, competition for those European spots like Napoli, like Sampdoria. Um, and it's, it's if he keeps – he has to better manage uh, Ilicic so far because uh, he's not he's, – you can tell he's still not – uh, at full form, and I, to me, it'd be better off for him coming off the bench instead of starting games. I will say, prior to just announcing crisis, there, like it's it's been two games where they've played like junk, um, and they did also beat Lazio earlier mm-hmm. this season, right? So it's not like they're the wheels have completely fallen off, but I think it's definitely it's trending towards something more troubling than uh, than obviously you know Milan, who who's won four of their five, right? So. Uh, I, I wouldn't, I just wouldn't say outright that, yeah, like it's, it's, it's starting to go to hell for them, but it could, right? Well, and, and, um, I mentioned Ilicic, another player who had a play, uh, who had a horror show with the Pauli, which he was playing against his former team. Uh, he started the game and uh, he was at fault for uh, most of uh, Sampdoria's goals. So again, uh, just players that uh, who were, you know, just coming back uh, who, for Dapali, who was, you know, just just came to the team, and then Ilicic, who was off for three months. Uh, I mean, uh, you gotta sometimes you gotta you gotta question, you gotta start questioning Gasparini's uh, team management skills at this point uh, in the season. Chris, what did you I was want gonna to say? I don't think it's it's fair to blame or pin the two losses on Ilicic. I think, like Ju- like Julian said, Agreed. a lot of it's just been like absolutely terrible defending from Atlanta's back three and some of their wing backs, which he has no, you know, real effect on them. I'm, I'm, you know, he has a role to play, but a lot of it's just been bad individual defending and he doesn't, you know, I think it's hard to pin that on him. So um, yeah, I think it's, there's room to grow for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just going to uh, just kind of preemptively say here that Paulo, you're also you're running on thin ice here because I've just docked you 50 <laughs> scary points this episode <laughs> for trying to uh, scapegoat Ilicic here. Okay. So watch your watch. Uh, watch okay. Your so uh, I'm just going to disregard that. I just want to uh, point out the uh, uh, my man men of the match is Thorsby and Damsgaard, uh, just two players that uh, really influenced the game uh, uh, against Atlanta. Well, let's uh, let's move away from that and uh, let's move towards uh, another horror show uh, in Genoa and Inter. <laughs> Julian, would you w- was this a horror show? Why, why is everyone freaking out about this game? I didn't even know people <laughs> were freaking out about this game. I mean, maybe oh, for you, because Inter won the game. Um, <laughs> I think up until the sixty fourth minute, they were freaking out. <laughs> Um, a little bit, but I mean, Genoa, they stuck basically everybody behind the ball. I don't even know if they had a shot on target all game. Um, so Winter tried and tried, and they just unfortunately weren't able to break through. Um, they brought on Barella around the 60th minute, I believe, for Ericsson, and he proved to be the spark they needed. He assisted the first goal and just kind of changed the dynamic of the team overall. Um, they were able to get the second goal as well, not too long after, actually, a nice assist from Lord Ranocchio <laughs> to Lord D'Ambrosio for the goal. <laughs> so it was uh, a little bit funny to see. Um, but saying that, though, there were, early on in the game, I think about seven minutes in, there was a clear, we go back to VAR, a clear handball oh, in the box yeah. on a Parisic cross. Um, mm-hmm. Not even mentioned. I didn't even know what happened until I looked on Twitter after, and you saw 
literally the defender kind of throw his arm out. Now I'm not saying it was intentional, but he threw his arm out and bounced off his arm. So, um, and then again later on in the first half, Lukaku was clearly brought down as the ball was being mm-hmm. crossed into him. And almost again, like pulled. Like it was kind of. It was almost like a tackle. <laughs> yeah, like it was just. It was strange. Um, but regardless, Inter they got the three points. They kept the clean sheet, which was huge because we know they've been struggling defensively. I was really happy to see the squad rotation a little bit. Um, Darmian made his Serie A debut. I saw Pinamonti made his season debut as well. Renacchia with his season debut. So it was nice to see Conte actually rotating the squad yeah, a little I think, bit. I mean, it's squad rotation is going to have to happen at some point because of the European schedules coming in. I think the big change, the big positive change Conte made was putting Barella in. And I think under normal circumstances, mm-hmm. he would probably start. And it was good timing because I think the commentators mentioned it on the zone anyways, that it looked like Inter was just lacking a bit of athleticism in midfield with some older legs, you know, and Brozovic isn't the most mobile. Uh, so I thought that was a good sub. And then just speaking of subs, I think we've talked about it the past couple episodes, but Conte seems to be getting better with making his subs and when he makes them and who he puts on. So I think yeah, that was a, a big time that. sub and I'm pretty sure Julian, he assisted the goal or, or he was the second pass leading up. Yeah, to, yeah so yeah, that's did. a positive change. And uh, I will say though, yeah. kudos to Genoa. Like I know they, you know, they didn't have much, if anything, going forward, like you said, Julian. But for a club like Genoa, that they're not going to go into that game and go head to like toe to toe against Inter. They have to be organized. And I thought for the for first sure. sixty, you know, three minutes, they were very organized. And then once Inter got that first one, they obviously have to open up trying to tie. And then the you know the game went from there, but. Kudos to them for being, you know, in it for the first 60-plus minutes. I, I know mm-hmm. that, uh, uh, you know, our uh, our friend from Twitter, our, our Interfan friend from Twitter was uh, was commenting on how on Ericsson, how he wouldn't move through the ball and, and was expecting uh, passes uh, played into his feet. And, Chris, you mentioned uh, athleticism. I thought it was just, you know, lack of enthusiasm, just showing pure laziness uh, for, you know, 60-plus minutes. And then the game, as you, as we all pointed out, the game changed when Barella came on and provided that spark that Inter needed to, to get the three points. I don't know I'm if laziness sure. is the right word for Erickson. Mm-hmm. He's just, I don't know what the right word is, but he doesn't have that same intensity, it seems, as some of the other players. I wouldn't call him lazy. He does run a lot from what I see, but it's, he's missing that like extra gear almost. Yeah, I think uh, there was even some con- uh, some comments from Conte, I think, midweek or something, just, again, almost subtweeting, <laughs> subtweeting him. And, and it, I don't know, I, it, it's just, it is a strange, uh, it's just strange how he can't find that, uh, that consistent form with Inter. Like, it, it almost seems like he's always, there's always something with him, right? He's either not contributing or you know what I mean like there's 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 something there that I think just doesn't click in this side for some reason and again he was inter were after him for a couple of years right before they eventually did land him so it's just it's strange that that motivation isn't there maybe he may hey, maybe there's something that that could going be, on with he, man. he doesn't get the well, excuse I, that he's new anymore right like that those those games are gone your first four or five games you can give him that and now he's you know he should be settled in but doesn't seem that way I know he. I know Erickson played well in, in midweek, and we'll, we'll touch on that later. 
but you know, uh, Mike, you mentioned uh, comments. He also Quentin made comments after after the, after the general game, saying like he kind of didn't want to entertain any questions about Erickson. He seemed to be, um, you know, annoyed that he was kept to have to answer questions about Erickson's performance, and you can tell that kind of pissed him off. Mm-hmm. That's. I just think like I don't think Erickson's playing badly. He's just not living up to what they signed him for. Like, when he's on the pitch, I don't think he's making glaring mistakes and costing the team in any way. He's just not being the person they signed. But, like, I feel like he's scapegoated every single time he's on the pitch. Right. Yeah, and again, that's to Chris's point, right? Like, maybe he's not what they expect, what you expect that player to be for what you brought him in for, right? But Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's a fair point, right? Like, he's not, uh, he's not uh, pulling some, you know, well, who's, uh, who's, a, who's a ghost of interpast. You know, well, who's a ghost of, of Interpass specifically? <laughs> oh, that's Kuzmanovic. Lord Kuzmanovich. Kuzmanovich, <laughs> Jonathan. <laughs> well, you know, realistically, he was Tottenham's best player, right? Like, well, there's Harry Kane, yeah. but he was, you know, uh, Tottenham's uh, creative uh, midfielder. And when he when he comes to Inter, he's no longer that star player that he was at, at Spurs. And he has to split, you know, the, the limelight with Fukako. So I don't think he's used to be, uh, you know, playing second uh, second fiddle to someone else. Yeah. Um, okay, Julian, do you have anything else to add before we move on? No, I'm good. I was just happy that they got the three points, got the clean sheet, move on to midweek. Yeah, and that's it again. Is early As early as it is, that's what you need to do. You need to be able to pull as many points as you can from these first couple of matches and, and watch just at, by the end of the season, you'll see that like, these are the ones that mattered the most because with yeah. the condensed schedule, et cetera, like these things are going to, are going to definitely be impactful for who's going to end up in the top of that table um, at the end of the season. Okay. Let's uh, move on then to this Lazio was a and Bologna. 2-1 final for Lazio and Bologna, I feel like we've said this a couple times, but they, you know, thought they got off to a quick start, but VAR actually took a goal back from them. I feel like this has happened once, maybe earlier in the year. Um, they actually went up early, though, Lazio now, uh, from a Luis Alberto goal. Fantastic strike. He cut him with his right foot. And then to go up 2-0, it was a, I guess we'll call it a, a bicycle kick, but a, a pass from Mohamed Fades on the goal line, um, directed it back towards Chido Immobile. Uh, and he had finished with a nice, a nice header to put them up 2 nothing. And then uh, in injury time, a collector's item, uh, a goal from uh, Lorenzo Di Silvestri, but it was too late for Bologna at that point. So finished 2-1, not the most exciting game. Um, good for Lazio to, to finish, to follow up with the, the three points um, after their uh, their midweek performance. So uh, And then Julian, I know you had a, a kind of fun fact on the Immobile goal. Yeah, so my one of my buddies, a resident Lazio fan, listens to the pod. Uh, he let me know that Immobile actually became the second time scorer for Lazio after that goal, um, passing Pepe Signori. That... So yeah. he's clearly making a name for himself. Yeah, Immobile. Uh, just for Immobile. Uh, just for uh, posterity's sake, uh, Silvio Piolo is Lazio's all-time goal scorer. How many more until Immobile catches him? Interesting. Good to know. Uh, a, a lot. Seven. Uh, no, it's a, it's, it's a lot because uh, Piola, uh, Piola played for a very long time in Syria, so uh, the, the mobile still has 2026. will catch go. him. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, something like that. I, I, uh, Mike, since uh, you're a resident fact checker, why don't you take a look up uh, just for uh, just for historical sake? Um, Chris, I want to I want to comment on the VAR. Um, I was watching the game as well. I, I, mm-hmm. I managed to catch it, and I didn't see anything wrong with. Um, that goal being taken away. Like I, I know there was uh, some presumptive foul in midfield, but I didn't, I didn't see anything wrong with, uh, with that challenge before. Uh, and it was a nice goal too, as Van Berg, you know, score with a nice, uh, nice long, long shot. But again, yeah, I, didn't, I, didn't see I, I, I agree. Let's go ahead, Mike. So I was going to say, no, uh, no, I, I agree. No, it was a nice finish. And yeah, at first I thought good goal. And it's one of those plays uh, the ref could call the foul. He could also let it go. It's, you know, depending on the ref, they, they might call it, they might not. So I didn't see anything, you know, clear and obvious that should make the goal come back. Obviously, the ref disagrees with uh, what you and I think, Paulo, because, um, yeah, obviously it did get called back when I thought it should have uh, stood, but uh, changed the, the the flow of the game anyways. Oh, for sure. Uh, one, one more point, Mike, before uh, you can jump in, is that, you know, Bologna would have took an early lead and would have changed the entire uh, complexity of the game. Like that Lazio would have been on the back foot and the game would have been much open and would allow for uh, Bologna to counterattack with, you know, their their uh, their talented attacking midfielders, Orsolini, Soriano, uh, and so forth. And I think it changed the entire, uh, entire face of the game. And I'm kind of disappointed because uh, it, would have, it would have been a much better um, entertaining game to watch. Paul, to, to that point too, that's something that Lazio needed, right? They needed to, to catch a break this game, clearly, because you know they've in the league specifically, they just came off that uh, midweek game in, in the Champions League, which they, where they played well. But again, they've uh, they they they've lost two of the last three games going into this one into the A, mm. right? So was, they needed they needed something to right. kind of like save a little bit of their early season, right? So it's it's good that uh, for their sake, obviously that. They, they were able to kind of catch that break and, and pull it through, right? Because otherwise you're looking at a team that probably uh, would have been sitting at like 15th, 14th of the table compared to where they are. I mean, they're 12th now. It's not mm-hmm. great, but it's it's still closer to the to the top of the table now that they're only, what is this, six points behind instead. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, yeah, sorry, Julian, Jeff, something to add? You got it? No, I, I was do. just gonna. I looked up the goals as yeah. well. Yeah, I, so I, I just wanted it. to clarify. So it's um, total goals for Lazio, not just in Serie A. It's just total mm-hmm. club goals. He passed them. Um, so Immobile is now at one twenty-eight. Silvio Piol is at one forty-nine. Yeah, yeah. So my quick so he math. Could get it this year. My quick math tells me that's only twenty-one <laughs> goals. Nah, he could get it this year for sure. Well, well, if he has a similar season to last year. It's he possible, will, right? Yeah. But it's total goals, though, if you include Europe and Copa Italia. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, okay, well, let's uh, let's take a quick break now, um, and then we'll come back and we'll we'll start up again with the Sunday games. So give us a second; we'll be right back. All right, we're back. <laughs> uh, let's get into Sunday's games. Actually, hold on, I got to mark that down. Four. That's the fourth Howling Wolf. This episode. Uh, okay, uh, Cagliari Crotone. Paolo. So this is a uh, very interesting game to watch uh, for those on the East Coast. Uh, it was at seven thirty 
uh, 7.30 start because uh, the Italians or Europe moved four in an hour. So all for the next two weeks, uh, all the games in Europe are going to be an hour off than usual uh, until uh, North America moves back uh, an hour. Uh, I, heard, was, I, heard was, that, I heard that Ontario was going to get rid of uh, daylight savings time. Did you hear that? I, I saw I, something I about it, so, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Hey. So I, this, I truly hope that happens because it, we, it would uh, save a lot of confusion. This could change world football. <laughs> well, it, it would us. make it a lot. Yes, for us, it make, <laughs> make it a lot easier to to actually like remember what time the games are on. Uh, so uh, let's get back to the actual action uh, of the game. So uh, Crotone started off the game on the front foot as uh, Reca crossed it in for Macias, uh, who scored his first Serie A goal. It was a good. It was a nice finish. Uh, Wait, is that post. is that is that senior Macias? I have no idea. Junior Macias, yes. Cagliari tied it up uh, five minutes later with a delightful free kick from Likoyanis from about twenty-five yards out. Um, Cagliari took the lead with, uh, with through um, Simeone. It was a uh, play started off from uh, from Godin, or as Julian would know, former Inter striker. Uh, striker. Uh, uh, excuse me, uh, defender. Goalkeeper. Excuse me. Well, <laughs> well, with the pass that he played to Yao Pedro, I thought he, I thought he was uh, an attacking player. So uh, it was a delightful pass to Yao Pedro, who then found, uh, who then played in Simeone, who uh, who beat uh, Cordas at the far post. Cortona tied it up at 2-2 as uh, Galidi failed to clear the lines from a throw-in and the ball fell to Molina, who uh, smashed it uh, uh, at the top corner with a nice volley, one of the best goals of the game so far. Galidi um, took, took the lead uh, before halftime as former uh, Pescara right-back Gabriel Zappa crossed it in for Sotil, who headed in at the far post. Cortona uh, was sent down to 10 men um, about minutes into the second half. Uh, Chigurini picked up a second yellow. And uh, Galliari rounded out their 4-2 win after uh, Yao Pedro tapped it in uh, off a rebound uh, after a Cordas save uh, from a, Pal- a Pavoletti header, and it was uh, validated by VAR. So uh, a good, big win for, for Galliari as um, uh, struggling against uh, against Fiorentina. I think they played against 14. Fiorentina might uh, check, check it up on that. Um but it was a big win for Eusebio Di Francesco as they continue their positive momentum uh, to the start of the season. Uh, they're starting to round that corner. Uh, and and I, I remember reading comments from yeah, Pedro after the game that Di Francesco asked him to score uh, 20 goals this season. Um, as we all know, uh, guys, that yeah, Pedro was busted for, for doping. So mm-hmm. I hope he can do it uh, cleanly this time and score 20 goals. <laughs> I see. Uh, so actually, yeah, uh, Cagliari, uh, not Fiorentina, but they, uh, they played Lazio, they lost and, uh, Atlanta, they lost five, two. Okay. Um, those are tough games though. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And those are tough games. They're actually, they're sitting on seven points so far. So they're, uh, they're actually right under Fiorentina though for points. Okay. Uh, that's why I thought of Fiorentina. There you go. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, I just want to shadow Crotone cause I, they, Although they lost again, at least they they kind of made a, a game out of it there. It's just unfortunate that again they they were sent down to to ten really early into the second, and that and they were kind of never able to get back that that kind of you know any sort of counter at that point, right? Because it's it's yeah 
You're down already three two. Exactly. Yeah, it was already three two at that point, and after that, they were never never going to get back into the game. Exactly, and it's so it's always going to be tough, especially for a team that's just come up, right? So it's uh, a little unfortunate for them. Uh, but again, they came off their draw with UVA last weekend, so it was uh, again it was it was almost promising this week, and and hopefully again going forward they can kind of steal some more points from from some bigger clubs because they play. Let me just uh, confirm that. Uh, well, I confirm that. Uh, I just want to point out that they did have a better uh, performance than you know their first game away to Genoa. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least they were actually in the game uh, for most mm-hmm. uh, mo- most parts. Uh, it's just not like they were blown out in the first half and then just score that consolation goal. It was a competitive game up until uh, uh, up until you know the end of the first half. You know. Yeah, and actually, I remember us talking about the Milan game, and it was like we were talking about how nothing really happened. Eventually, there was like a, I think, a penalty goal or something. Um, but that's it. They've been staying in games, which is promising. They just need to find that extra gear to, you know, close out a few matches or, or get more involved in some matches. I think to, uh, to kind of stay up. Right? They they play, I think, Atlanta soon. Um, sorry, they were competitive they? last week too. Yeah, hey, well, hey, they, they stole points, so uh, they were competitive in in a as as much as they could be with Juventus down to um, to ten men that game men, too, yeah. right? So <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll give them that. That's the reasoning why. Uh, <laughs> but but that's it. I, again, hopefully this means that they they'll show some more promise. They even play Lazio, I think, soon too. So it's uh, they've got some tough he- t- tough games ahead of them as well. Uh, okay, let's uh, move forward here. So the next game uh, is actually uh, Napoli-Benevento, and it was the uh, the Derby della Insigne uh, brothers, uh, <laughs> Derby della Fratello, Fratelli, I guess. Um, but uh, this w- this game was an interesting game. Benevento actually came out uh, and and scored first uh, by Roberto uh, Insigne in the 30th minute. Uh, the goal, the ball was kind of uh, bouncing up, and it kind of backed, it, it kind of bounced right to him, and he's right in front of the net, and he uh, made a nice move to to slap it home, and and it's, uh, it was, you could tell the emotion that he felt when he scored that goal because I think he kind of felt like Napoli was, uh, <laughs> Napoli kind of gave up on him, right, and yep. uh, he goes to Benevantoni, he has some success there, so you could tell the emotion was there. Um, and uh, his brother's older brother, Lorenzo, uh, doesn't disappoint. And he actually scored one that was taken back, but then he scores our uh, – guys, can I say it? I think it's our goal of the oh, week. Oh, yeah, weekend. definitely. Yeah, yeah. forget what Paulo says. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Don't about Paulo. So actually here I am. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was Quadrello, but, you know, go, ahead, go right ahead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, here, I have some audio queued up here, so let's play that there. Something counted. Taken quickly again by Napoli, Politano. Lorenzo Insigne on his unfavoured left. It's wonderful. What an equaliser that is. His younger brother got the opener and now Lorenzo Insigne has the equaliser. And just look what it means. Taken short by Fabian Ruiz, Politano picked out Insigne. And to do that with your unfavored left side is just wonderful. Yeah, he said it all. It was a beautiful strike. He, uh, Julian, we were talking about how uh, Napoli actually 
did almost the exact same play on back-to-back corners. Uh, and the the ball kind of comes to Insigne at the top of the box. And the first one, again, deflects out, whatever it does. And then this one, he just, he kind of uh, fakes a shot, kind of cuts in a little bit more and takes the shot with his left. And it hits a crossbar down inside the net. Um, and again, it was beautiful goal, beautiful goal. If you haven't, if you haven't seen it this week, uh, check it out. And, uh, and then uh, Patania kind of puts, well, scores the go-ahead goal in the 67th, so just a little bit later. Um, and that kind of uh, put Benevento on the back foot, and they couldn't really uh, take anything away from that. But uh, it was it was a decent game as well from from both sides. But uh, Napoli come away with uh, the three points. And again, they're, uh, they're inching closer to that top spot. Uh, the only blemish on the record is that... Uh, that Juventus game, which uh, is remains to be seen, what's going to happen so far? They've they've been <laughs> docked at one point, so actually minus four points technically. Because if you would have thought that they would have beat Ju- Juventus, then they might even have a perfect record so far, right? So it's uh, it's it's going to be important for them to see what they can get from that tribunal if it actually goes to some sort of appeal. But uh, yeah, yeah, good, good game from from Napoli. So speaking of that appeal, enter Twitter. I saw it floating around this weekend. Had a good laugh. They think that one point will be, I guess, re-added, so they won't be docked one point, but they're not going to overturn the result. And that'll be like, look, we did something. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it's it's just unfortunate because, again, they've, uh, they're have they clearly – Milan and them are clearly the class so far this season. Um, yeah. It's yeah. uh, it's just it's unfortunate that they that they again they don't get the opportunity to get three points that they're actually docked as well another point but again that's we we talked about this uh, a lot about you know there's that protocol that's set and if you're not following that protocol that's on you like you lost you're yeah. you're the you're the reason that you don't have those points it's not I mean the COVID sure is a huge factor in that but again there's a protocol set in place and it's your own fault if you don't follow that protocol. Yeah, that's fair. I don't want to harp on this anymore. Um, <laughs> no, it's true. We've talked about it enough. Um, I just want to point out as well, uh, Roberto Insigne, that was also his first career mm-hmm. Serie A goal. So that was also why he was so emotional about it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I just want to jump in here and talk about uh, how uh, I'm pleased that Patania scored. Uh, I know, you know, before the season started, uh, I was um, I was praising uh, the signing and how he was doing well in preseason. So I'm glad that uh, you know he came off the bench and uh, and scored his first goal of the season, and I I think that uh, that's gonna be the first of many. I think uh, Patani is gonna be a very pivotal player for uh, for Napoli going forward in the season. Yep. Fair enough. Uh, okay, let's uh, move on here, and we'll uh, we'll queue up Parma Spezia. So I decided to watch this game because of Lucy and Agume getting a first. Serie start on loan to Spezia from Inter. Um, Boo. And honestly, sorry? I know I just booed you. That's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> Boo this man! <laughs> but you like Spezia. They're our underdog team. Yeah, but I don't like Inter. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> um, and honestly, they're, they'd probably feel a little hard done by this result. Um, they dominated the first half. Again, I know I've ragged on Parma lots for this year, but they don't look good whatsoever. <laughs> Um, Spezia dominated the first half they went up uh, 2-0 quite early the first off a corner from Shabbat and no not out of the center to the pensman Thomas Shabbat <laughs> damn um, <laughs> and then um, 
Paulo, what's you might have to help me on this? Agudelo, yeah, Ag- Agudelo, Aguelo? Colombian. Yeah, Agudelo. He's yeah. He uh, cut in off the right flank. Nice shot into the left corner, or sorry, bottom right corner with the left. Uh, they went up to nothing, and then Parma was able to get one back off a free kick. Um, it was pretty poor team defending from Spezia. They were kind of overrun at the back post, so they had an open man at the back post. Parma, and they were able to draw one back. Um, second half. Spezia looks to increase their lead and actually hit the post three separate times. Um, and then, unfortunately, they conceded a penalty late. Rash challenge, it was a penalty. It was a dumb challenge to make in the 90th minute. Um, and Kushka scored, I think it was ended up being 93rd, 94th minute to tie it. So, again, I don't think Parma looks good. Spezia, they'll, they deserve the win, honestly. Um, they still get the one point. So I think I read Italiano. He wasn't, he was quoted after the game saying he wasn't sure how to feel because they were happy with the one point, but he felt a little bit hard done on that one. It's probably a, a, a game yeah. where, like, in the return leg, when uh, Spezia is at home, they're going to, you know, aim for three points and they'll, they'll be more disappointed if they only come away with one. Whereas if this one, it's, it's at Parma, it's their first time, you know, playing them this year, they probably settle for one. Um. Yeah, I, I I only watched a bit of the game, Julian. I didn't see the whole thing, but I know Parma still not. They still haven't changed their formation. It's still that four three one two. So Dravino is playing more as a striker than than he is as a winger. Uh, I don't know if Caramo came on or not. Uh, yeah, he okay. He did, and when he did come on, they were creating yeah. more. He actually should have. He had a couple chances. He should have scored on, but um. Provadel, I believe, was in the net this game. He actually made a couple saves on him. Yeah, so I was, um, yeah, I was just gonna, I was gonna say for yeah. me until they get rid of this formation because it's clearly not working for them. Then, um, yeah, I don't see them picking up points in games that where they should be. And you know, teams like Spezia are gonna keep picking up points against them. And you know, eight weeks from now, we're gonna look at the table and they're still gonna be you know close to where they are now, which is in sixteenth. Yeah. Well. I would say this uh, is definitely not a nightmarish start because, you know, Halloween, <laughs> uh, but a uh, closer to a dream start, I think, for Spezia, who they've only lost two games this year. Um, one was to Milan, yeah. I think, and uh, another one to Sassuolo, right? So it's they've actually, again, five points in, in the first five games. Not bad for, for the new boys. So... I'm on. I'm on the Spezia bandwagon, Paul. You're on the the Ranieri <laughs> Scudetto <laughs> bandwagon. I'm on the the Spezia, and hey, it, there's no coincidence that I like Spezia, and it kind of sounds like Spezia. <laughs> we're talking hockey, <laughs> so let's uh, let's another Ottawa Senators shout out. Um, okay, uh, so uh, before we move on, just so five, you said Mike said five points, and you know when you look at that forty point target, they only have. 35 points left to pick up for the rest of the season for that uh, ultimate tar- uh, target of uh, survival. So, I mean, w- uh, I can understand why uh, Italiano feels, um, you know, hard done. Is like, it doesn't know how to feel saying that one point is, you know, will be important for, uh, you know, when it comes down to the final games of the season. Yeah, true. Okay, let's uh, move forward here. So we'll talk about uh, Fiorentina uh, Udinese next. So this was another entertaining game. Uh, five goals uh, in this game. 
so uh, Fiorentina opened the scoring after Bonaventura crossed it in from the right. Uh, Biragi uh, played it back in for uh, for Castrovilli, who passed it into the net. So this time for the second goal, Castrovilli turned provider as the ball broke to him uh, from an ensuing free kick, and he played it back back across for Milinkovic, who headed it at the far post. Uh, Unireze managed to pull one back uh, before halftime as the the Paul found Okaka in the box who tapped it in at the near post. Uh, Fiorentina uh, scored their third goal shortly after halftime as uh, Castrovilli started a quick counterattack with Baragi. And then the ball broke to uh, Castrovilli in the box who uh, placed the uh, top corner. And then uh, Okaka scored a second goal of the game from a header after a uh, uh, Fiorestieri cross. So this is a good response from uh, from Fiorentina after uh, dropping points against uh, Sampdoria and Spezia. Uh, I think Yakini said that uh, they got through their uh, worst, you know, their uh, their trouble uh, points of the season. Uh, I, I can see that. I can definitely see the Fiorentina building off uh, this uh, this important win. Uh, but the, the thing is, is that you're, you're playing Udinese, who's been you know struggling uh, away from home and and you know scoring two goals is probably the the most that they scored all season in one game. Uh, but I can definitely see them struggling, uh, Fiorentina, that is, against, uh, you know, better uh, better quality sides. Yeah, I think Paulo... Yeah, no... Yeah. No, go, Chris. I was going to say, Paulo, you mentioned earlier with Gianpaolo how, you know, getting a point this week was crucial, you know, for him keeping his job and how he's got, you know, four or five games to, to prove it, to keep it. I think this was, was one of those games, um, a similar importance for Yakini where if he doesn't win then I think that clock starts to tick for when he might get the sack I think this win kind of buys him a bit more time and like you said it was a good bounce back win mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to note that uh, Kestrovilli scored twice and he's going to need to be a little bit of a catalyst for them right because with Chiesa gone now he's kind of and I mean uh, Frank, didn't, Frank Ribery didn't play is he? No, I didn't see. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't even think he was on the bench. But uh, again, he's going to be an important figure for them because if he if they're going to have any sort of success, he has to be consistent and he has to be there, right? He's got to play well and 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 uh, be kind of impactful when he's there, right? So it's uh, good for for them for you know being able to pull out those points against Udinese. Who, yeah, they, I think so. Paul, they actually did score three last week against Parma. Um, so it's, but again, they're, uh, it's better showing the first three games when they didn't, couldn't manage a goal. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Chris, I just want to, uh, comment on, on what you said there was that actually Comiso came out and said that, uh, Yakin deserves to be, you know, the, the so-called Fiducia, which is have, have a big bit of confidence. And, uh, as you, so you're, you're right in saying that it definitely bought him yeah. a bit more time. Yeah, didn't he say too uh, that they won't fire him or something until like the rest of the teams under under them start to fire <laughs> their coaches, something like that. <laughs> something like that. I just want to oh, give a shout out as well to uh, to Biragi. You mentioned Castrovilli. I think Biragi and Castrovilli actually had a they had very good chemistry in this game. Um, they actually combined for three of the goals. I think two for sure, maybe three. Uh, I think it was I think it was all three. I, I know I think Baragi played in uh, the the free kick where uh, Castrovilli uh, uh, passed it back to Milankovic. So I think Baragi was definitely involved Julian, in all three goals. So yeah, and Castro, go ahead, Mike. Castrovilli was as well. 
No, no, that's it. He just he was as well. He scored two and he assisted the second. I was going to say, Julian, will you yeah. still like Biragi as much when he gets picked to make the Euro squad over Darmian? <laughs> or not Darmian, D'Ambrosio, sorry. <laughs> I, never, honestly, I never minded Biragi. His issue was when he... He has a lot more time on the ball now with Fiorentina than he did yeah, when he was with Inter. So he's able to make those better crosses, those better passes, whereas with Inter, he was under pressure a lot more. He still was okay with Inter. He wasn't bad, but he's looked better with Fiorentina, but he also has more time on the ball. Yeah. Fair. Okay, let's uh, let's move on, yeah? Yeah. yeah. Okay, so next up uh, was Juventus-Verona. Uh, uh, and this game ended 1-1, and uh, it, it was, again, just as a Juventus fan, it was a little frustrating to to watch, but um, they couldn't really they couldn't really uh, manage much in the first half in terms of actually scoring anything. Uh, they had a couple chances. Bernadeschi comes in early and just uh, passes it right uh, right to um, like right to the goalie, like he doesn't even uh, he doesn't even make a move. Almost, it's it's kind of like right at him, and uh, that's fairly early on. And then I believe it's Quadrado hits the crossbar as well um, in the first half, and it's it's a powerful shot. He he smacks this thing. It's it, but he just hits it right off of the face of the crossbar, uh, and it comes out. And Dybala was, like, behind him, too. If he left it, maybe Dybala would have done better. But it was uh, he was in the perfect position to shoot, and he just ate it. So, uh, boo on him. Uh, Murad actually scored a, uh, a goal, and it was taken back. Uh, again, offside. He's been snake bit by this, but uh, by, like, inches. Uh, I guess it's the right call. We can all agree, I guess, that, that he was offside in the end, but it's I, I just hate this so much. I, I, I hate it. Uh, I could have said he had a, a doink, <laughs> and that's my that's my favorite type of goal is a doink. Murata's doink. But he didn't have that because it was, uh, it was offside, and Favili actually scores uh, the opener at, at the 60, in the 60th minute. Um, I don't know what is happening with Juventus' defense, but uh, Bonucci is just kind of, I don't know, going to say... <laughs> Not good. No, I mean, he's just going to, he's going to say <laughs> hi to... Uh, who's in that? Chesney. And he's just, you know, he's just looking at the ball, and, and the ball comes right in the middle of the, of, of the box. And I, I think it's Danilo who's, who's around him as well, and he kind of just, like, doesn't cover anybody. Uh, and Favilli just is right there to tap it, tap it home. Uh, to make it one nothing, uh, Juventus eventually do score uh, to tie the game. It's uh, super sub Kulusevski <laughs> in the seventy seventh, I believe, who comes off uh, comes on for Bernardeschi. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it was again. It's tough to for me. It's tough to analyze this Juventus squad because they have the quality. It just seems like they're not they don't know how to play together now. And I don't know if that's Pirlo's fault. I don't know if it's uh, Paratici's fault for not building a team that like needs to play together. It, there's just something that's not clicking. Um, but uh, yeah, again, this game ends one, one and, and you may have dropped points again. This I season. will. Paul, go ahead. Uh, Mike. No, go ahead. Okay. I'll, okay. Mike, I think uh, frustration is an understatement. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Uh, like I, I was livid. Like first of all, there was a missed call. Uh, we want to mention Bar again. A missed call on Bernardeschi that should have been a penalty. Mm-hmm. Number one, that was that not was a penalty. Agree, I'm Julian. That out there. I agree. Paulo, two two. He goes down and way then, too easy. Is there contact? A little bit, but he's looking for the penalty the whole way and just flops. But, but uh, at least at least go to Bar again. Bar wasn't used again. Uh, and which is a theme throughout this weekend, and then you have just on that on that quadrado shot, he had the entire net yeah. to aim at, and you go for power. <laughs> it was quite funny. <laughs> I, just, I, I was I was I was watching the game, and I was I I, I was speechless because as a I don't know as a professional, when you go for power is when. You're 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 being pressured and you're just trying to get the shot off. You had he had no one around him. He had no one around him, and he and he just you know uh, and he fired the shot off like that. And and again, two uh, two crossbars uh, cost Juventus the game. And when uh, me uh, Mike me and you were talking about how it felt like uh, a pickup soccer yeah. game or pickup culture game, we want to use that term. Just that you left with uh, um, Danilo and another uh, uh, could have been. Uh, Quadrado, someone in, left in the back, and then even Bonucci was moving forward. I'm like, what is this? I, I, I'm sure Pilo told him to move up to the midfield to to make passes, but again, that's what happens when you allow, uh, you know, Verona on the counter attack, and then you give, uh, what three yards of space to Favilli to uh, to finish it like that. I mean, yeah. Th- 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 what's the point of moving forward when you can't even do your actual job as a defender? Yeah, I, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, one more point, Mike, and then I'll let you I'll let you comment. Mm-hmm. And just that, what I saw as well was that there was so much spaces, uh, so much space on the wings that Juventus failed to capitalize in the first half. You had at least six yards of space, uh, more than that, like at least ten yards of space on on each wing, and it, it felt like that they were forcing the ball in the box, and and it didn't make any sense because that, that Verona's uh, plan was to defend in two banks of four. I know Chris will comment that after that be uh, on the purpose of, of defending in banks of four, but they were defending so tightly that they, they couldn't even break down uh, the box. And the only way that you had to score was cool safety coming on the wing. So it was a complete, I give, give credit to Juric, Juric uh, out coached uh, Pirlo in this game uh, because uh, again, P- uh, Juric has a lot more experience than Pirlo. That, that doesn't have to be said but I'm going to say it anyway because it's important to point it out. But again, as a fan, it's just frustrating to watch that a team that has so many superstars just play like they're playing a pickup soccer game. Yeah, and to that point, it's almost like they're, again, I, I kind of mentioned this before, but it, it's almost like they're playing individually, right? Like there's there was no cohesion between them. And that's what you end up with, right? You see a bunch of people, like you, you mentioned, like there's a there's a bunch of people up in the box just kind of like, trying to get this ball and, and turn and do something with it. But there's no, like, you know, we're talking about passes, et cetera. Like there, there's none of that. That's like world-class, right? And this is supposed, supposed to be a team that has world-class talent and, and they're not, I don't know. Again, I don't know if that's Pirlo's fault. I don't know whose fault that is, but they're definitely not, uh, not contributing at all uh, to, to kind of bring that to the forefront. I think the issue uh, I have that might be resolved is maybe with uh, Ronaldo coming back. Like you might not have Bernardeschi taking those shots. You'll have Ronaldo instead, which is promising. He, he'll still miss some of those, which we've seen over the past two seasons. 
he'll miss them. He'll he'll go right at the goalie. But again, he's going to get another two and he's going to score one of them, right? So you're going to get somebody who is a clinical fin- finisher and he'll actually put the game away instead of someone like Bernadeschi who will pass it and then be kind of uh, a pedestrian for the rest of the game. Uh, I found, so Dybala, I think, started this game as well. Um, yep. So that's a huge positive for him because at least for him, he's he needs to get back into the swing of, of playing 90 minutes. And although this didn't go his way, I found he was doing something. Uh, and hopefully now with, uh, we didn't mention, Banushi actually got hurt, I think, at some point during this game. And uh, Dybala was, uh, wore the captain's armband for the remainder of the game. And I think that's, uh, that's what this, this guy needs to be that captain. He needs to be the one, not, not Bonucci, because <laughs> Bonucci is shit. Dybala has to be the one that now that he's back, again, Ronaldo will always lead this team just because he's Ronaldo and he's, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's, he's older, he's wiser, let's say. But Dybala has to be the captain of this team. He has to be the person who uh, everything needs to go through and, and he needs to direct this play. He needs to be, uh, he needs to be pivotal in this Juventus side and that's, that hasn't been the case this season because he's been hurt. So hopefully going forward, that's something that changes, but... Just two, two quick points on my end. Um, so the, the first one is the refereeing. So <clears throat> I know, you know, the commentator and then, you know, especially on Twitter after there was a lot being said about how Fabrizio Pasqua let a lot go. He didn't call enough. And I would agree uh, more yellow cards should have been handed out. I, I think he handed out one, maybe two. But there probably should have been, you know, between six and eight. And, and that's, you know, a, a conservative uh, number there. At the same time, though, and I'm not just picking on Juve here because, you know, as a Milan fan, I'll, I'll throw Teo Hernandez into this mix. There are players, especially on Juve, who like to hit the floor a lot earlier, a lot easier than other players do. So as soon as there's even, you know, a little wince of contact, they're on the floor. Uh, and it takes a referee with Bali to keep the keep the whistle on his hand and not <laughs> yeah. call a foul every single time because I think yeah. it ruins the flow of the game and I think, guys, we all agree that we've all watched games where it gets ruined by foul after foul after foul. Um, and so good on him for you know letting it be a physical game um, and not calling every single thing. And then just very quickly, uh, I won't yeah. comment too much on um, how Verona defended, although it, it, it should be noted, Paulo. Uh, I did want to note more so how they pressed. Uh, at mm-hmm. certain times, like when Suchesny had the ball uh, and Juve was trying to play out from the back, Verona was literally going man for man. They just had everybody step up and take a player. And there mm-hmm, was there mm-hmm. were no options. And the, the only available play was a long ball into Morata. And then credit to Cecchadini, who was a soldier all game, not giving him anything easy. So that that's a, a brave game plan because Juve you know, has the ability to break that down normally. Uh, but they didn't give them too much. So th- those are my two comments on the game. Well, yeah, well, Chris, I want to I want to jump on that because I think that's exactly how you need to play this Juve. Because if they have mm-hmm. pressure on that back line, yep. they're not doing anything. Like that, they depend on that flow of the ball from you know from goalkeeper to the defense to kind of control a little bit of that pace. And if you're on that man, yep. they they can't build anything. And that's again, that's <laughs> because you have Bonucci in the back there. If you have any, if you have any fucking smarter defender. And the, when Delete comes back, this is going to be a transformed team too, and he's coming back soon. So again, that's that's a godsend because they need they need something back there. They this guy's got to go. <laughs> yeah, so 
to to your point, Mike, I think he should be back in training this week or next week. So hopefully by the end of the month, or sorry, sorry, by after the international break. Was it an injury or a COVID day for him? For Delict? Uh, Right. It was injury. I think it was was a shoulder. Yeah, 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 he had shoulder surgery. Um, Just before we move on, I just want to mention, so Mike, you said they don't seem, you don't think they seem to be clicking. Um, I think, again, that could be due to basically no preseason. Yeah. Um, normally teams have two months to prepare, right? We've seen a couple teams where just for whatever reason, it's taken a little bit longer to get going. Um, so I think that can be part of it. I also want to give a shout out to <laughs> Mateo. Don't call him Demi Lovato. Um, he had a hell of a game at center back. He stepped in for Kambola and literally looked like he didn't miss a step for Verona. Yeah. yeah ex- yeah, I'm, uh, Julian, I'm glad you uh, you mentioned uh, Lovato. Uh, like he was again. Chris mentioned Chikarini as a soldier. Uh, Lovato was also, you know, uh, a brick wall as well. And you know, can tell by the end of the game that like this guy was was suffering because he was hitting the ground like uh, you know every every minute in, in at the end of the game uh, at the end of the second half where uh, th- this guy was struggling just to stand uh, on his two legs. Yeah. Okay. We could talk about this for forever, but let's uh, let's move <laughs> yeah. on here. Let's go to uh, that was actually the last game of Sunday, uh, and this uh, round of matches finished up on Monday with. So uh, this Malibu was, Roma. I think, you could argue the most entertaining match of the week. Uh, obviously, I'm biased, but I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it. So this it it finished three three, and <laughs> if I'm being honest, I I was predicting a draw before. I wouldn't have predicted three three, obviously. So. Uh, I guess I could say I'm, I'm happy that Milan came away with the point. Um, two PKs were given in the game, one each, one for Milan and one for Roma, uh, both in the second half and both questionable. Um, I'm, I think I'm usually pretty good with admitting when, um, you know, a call should have or should not have gone Milan's way. I can admit that both PKs were weak and probably should not have been given. Um, if we rewind it even more, uh, Roma's first half goal, corner kick and um for those who don't know um or a reminder uh donnarumma did not play today um he had uh he tested positive for covid19 mm-hmm. uh so tata who's an experienced goalkeeper former fiorentina number one came in and i don't know if it was rust but it he completely misjudged the corner uh and jekyll who's a fantastic player in the air put it away so that made it 1-1 in the first half again uh you take that away you take away um, the PK, um, a couple of things that didn't go Milan's way, but I think overall Milan did okay. Um, I would have preferred to see Leal stay on the pitch longer than he did, considering he probably put in man of the match performance, in my opinion. But, um, you know, he mm-hmm. is a young player. Mm-hmm. I know Pioli's trying to work him back into the squad, uh, especially with Rebic being out. Now's a good time for that. So, entertaining game. And I think um, both sides will be happy with the point, but Milan might be a little disappointed uh, that they couldn't come away with three. I just want to touch on Liao. I think he was subbed off. He did get a yellow for yellow. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. The penalty to Roma, he got a yellow and he seemed a little bit frustrated after that. Yeah, that's a good point. He is, uh, I mean, he is young and I would classify him as a hothead, but he does have to control his temper even better. Um, I want to uh, just note that uh, Ibrahimovic had a uh, a doink. Uh, yeah. First goal was a doink. Can, I'd say it was, it was a doink. A half doink. A doink. A doink. A doink. 
I I just wanted to comment on the fact that um, th- again the VAR system needs to be changed in the sense that uh, that it has to be changed to similar to North American sports where uh, you, you go, it goes up to New York for, for, for the NFL or it goes to Toronto for, for the NHL that an actual booth uh, you know controlled by the league is actually looking at uh, these replays and not just some random referee uh, who's watching the game as well uh, <laughs> with his know, crisps uh, with this exactly <laughs> like in, in a in a random booth, it just it has to be centralized. Just uh, one person uh, where you have experts. Uh, you guys who, who you guys who watch hockey can help me out with how the NHL does it. But I know that there is what a group of experts in Toronto looking at uh, all of the games that are being played that 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 day or that night. And whenever a challenge is made they go up to the booth and they look at yeah, it. Yeah, right? there's it, there's something. I, I think there's even like former referees, et cetera, who are in on that as well. I, I don't know that how well that would work. That would require the city ad to have some sort of proactive uh, <laughs> thoughts in terms of these things, which I, I yeah, exactly. Like, I, I don't know that that's a likely scenario. Again, VAR, uh, I, I'm just happy that they have VAR because again, you're going to get some of these things that uh, like, let's, let's go back to, uh, the phantom goal, uh, Milan's phantom goal that didn't never happen, right? In, against Juve, twenty eleven, yeah, or maybe a little after. Yeah, against Juve. Yeah, the Mugari, yeah, like yeah. that's Mugari. that kind of stuff is at least going to be rectified. But like, yeah, I, I don't see them going to some sort of centralized because it, the issue is it, that the referees are controlling those individual games, and that's always been the point of it, right? Is that the referee decides it's kind of subjective to him for how he wants to call the but game. That, but that's the problem. Yeah, I know. I agree. Yeah, I agree that's I the agree problem. that's a problem as well. I think the VAR ref should have the final decision. The yeah. VAR ref is there. He can make the final yeah. decision. The ref on the pitch, he's going to be biased. That's it, exactly. Point. I agree. Like, as much as you don't want him to be, he's he made his you original decision. You know what would decision. be... Sorry, guys, I just want to jump in. You know what would be great in yeah. terms of just being transparent and kind of the best of both worlds with what Paul was saying is if it goes to, you know, the central hub, um, they make their recommendation to the referee. And then like Julian says, cause I agree, I think the ref should have the final decision. Um, but I don't know if you guys have ever seen, but in Australia, I think it's Australia when the referee does a VAR check or a VAR call, his, it becomes a hot mic and he announces it to the stadium says, this is the call. This is why it's almost like a, like in the NFL. Um, so I would almost love if mm-hmm. in that case we saw, yeah. okay, here was the recommendation from the central hub, whatever it's called, penalty. Um, the referee is making a call, no penalty, and then he or she has to give an explanation why. And then obviously the media and, and Twitter will rip that decision mm-hmm. apart after, but at least there's transparency there to know that, okay, this is what the league recommended. Here's what the ref decided, and then here's why. And then if they agree, fantastic. Yeah, it's tough. I, I, I would want that. I'd love that. I think it's you put the referee in a tough position at that point. But again, at least he has the like you like you said, he has the cojones yeah. to like explain why he's making these calls, right? It's not just some like some pride exactly. thing of you know what? No, I didn't, yeah. I didn't fucking see it, so I'm not gonna call it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. th- well, wasn't it? Wasn't it this week Germany yeah. announced they're making a Twitter exactly. account mm-hmm. um, where they will explain all the VAR yeah. calls? Yeah, I'd like to see that too. That'd be nice. But, yeah, just but a little I, bit more transparency. 
I, I know Rizzoli. I, I remember reading comments about that uh, the referee designated for and former ref Nicola Rizzoli uh, wanted to do some sort of central hub at Covert Channel. But you know, again, that's going to take time. Uh, but I, at least at this point, you know, I, I, I thoroughly, I thoroughly enjoy that the uh, that idea of having a Twitter Statements. account and releasing. Yeah. Um, the referee decision and exactly in statements clarifying why the decision was made instead of having pundits, uh, you know, <laughs> especially like all the tabloid papers in Italy, Corea dello uh, Sport, uh, <laughs> making some some stupid comments, some asinine comments about what happened during the game. At least that that takes away that power from you know stupid Italian journalists uh, from from actually uh, uh, ruining. Or uh, putting up propaganda to try to uh, to try to make their point. Yeah. Okay, that's. Does uh, anybody have anything else to add to that? Uh, no, well, I just want to mention that uh, Kumbula tied yeah. it up at the end after uh, you know Ibra actually flicked it on for him. <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to point that out, just to just to annoy our resident <laughs> Milan fan and coach. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, and I would be remiss if I didn't do this uh, for Roma, um, of course. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so that's, uh, of course, uh, a wolf. <laughs> Is that for Roma or for Pretoro? <laughs> uh, yeah, also for uh, for Pretoro, for um, the uh, the beautiful town of Pretoro. If, if anyone... Uh, uh, is traveling to Italy, make sure you stop by uh, Giro Italia, uh, favorite town, uh, Pertoro, which is uh, in Abruzzo. Beautiful town, mountain town. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's got lots of hills. <laughs> lot, lots of hills, and uh, it's, a, it's a pain in the ass hey, to walk. Hey, up hey, those hey. Hills. It is. Hey, hey, well, but it is. but it is. It is. at the top of uh, the hills of Portoro there. At least you get uh, to Nick's Bar, which is the uh, which is the mecca uh, of, of the party scene. Of, uh, of yeah, well, of San Lorenzo specifically, the exactly. festival of San Lorenzo. Uh, okay, let's. Uh, that's it for the City on Match Day. So let's. Uh, how about this? We'll take a break, uh, and then when we come back, we'll we'll do a uh, full Europe review and preview. Uh, and then we'll finish off the show with a City at B minute. So uh, we'll be right back uh, after these messages from your sponsors. Oh, that was a really spooky song. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's the you know dance of the witches, and uh, I, I couldn't help but bob my head to the beat. Same, I was as well. So I don't know if uh, <laughs> I, I was if... as well. So great wait, wait, choice, Paulo. Julian, the dance of Benevento. <laughs> <laughs> Julian, were you bobbing your head? I was. Yes. Okay. Hey. All right. Clean sweep. <laughs> Clean sweep. Excellent. 
Uh, I should have ended it off. Hold on with uh, one of these. (laughs) I think think we're at six now. Yeah, that's what I got. I got six is my count here. Okay. Um, Welcome back to the show, everybody. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. And as always, I want to remind everyone, uh, if somehow you're listening to us and you don't follow us on Twitter, uh, please follow us at Rete This Way, R-E-T-E This Way. Uh, on the Twitter and on Instagram, we are at RTW Calcio, C A L C I O. Um, and yeah, if you're uh, if you are interested in uh, in you know sponsoring us by chance, that's also much appreciated. Even if it's you know if you're uh, if you're looking to get your uh, anything that you're doing uh, out into the world, again, we we'd like to um, help out as much as we can. Uh, whether that's, you know, if you're, if you're writing some sort of, uh, Calcio blog, or if you have something that, you know, um, you want us to kind of shout out, uh, we'd love to kind of help you, uh, boost your, boost your, uh, network there. So again, if, uh, all, all inquiries can go through Paulo's Twitter account. How about that? <laughs> I like yeah, I'll be, I'll be, uh, I'll be, uh, open to receiving messages in, uh, from my DM. Oh, slide into Paulo's DMs. You heard it there first. <laughs> uh, what did you say, Julian? I said I liked it. Go through Paulo. Okay. Yeah, good. Okay. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's jump right into the second half of the show here, and we're going to go through um, European uh, soccer, uh, the Italian, I guess, uh, aspects of the European soccer. So we'll start off with uh, Champions League which was uh, on uh, the Tuesday, I believe, and uh, Juventus uh, played Dinamo Kiev. And we talked about this in, in prior episodes about how this could have been, uh, this had all the makings for like a one nothing or a 0-0 game. Uh, and it was almost that, but uh, save for Alvaro Morata with uh, two clinical uh, finishes here to uh, actually end up, again, Juve wins it 2 nothing. Uh I found that um, uh, what's his name? Dn is that his first name? Dn uh, don't call yeah. me don't call me Kulo Kulusevsky. <laughs> uh, just a shout out to Julian. I like that, so I, I brought it to Kulusevsky <laughs> because his name is almost like Kulo, like butt. Yeah. So I, um, <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. So I, again, I thought he had a great game. Um, Kiesa actually also had a, a good game as well. Uh, I believe it was his first. Is it his first in the Champions League? Is it possible? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yes, it is. Yeah, he had a great debut. I found he he. There was a little bit of nerves. I found because he he was trying a lot more than maybe he should have. He should have kind of played a little bit more strategically. But he was at least pressing. He was doing something out there, which was uh, encouraging to see. So I think this again, just totally different than the Juve side that we saw uh, against. Hellas Verona on the weekend. Uh, this team actually had a little bit more of transition and a little bit more flow, uh, which was again a, 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 it ended in a great debut for Pirlo in uh, the Champions League. So it ended. It ends two nothing off of again Morata brace. He uh, he cleans up some garbage at the for his first goal, and then uh, Chris's favorite Juventus player uh, Quadrado uh, with a nice cross to Morata, who is uh, yeah it was it was inch perfect right it it just kind of went right to him and and he uh made no mistake and made it to nothing uh to kind of seal the game but uh their next game is actually going to be a really uh hope 
hopefully it's going to be a good game, but it's definitely going to be uh, an interesting one. It's uh, Juventus Barcelona on Wednesday of this week. Um, it's still unclear whether Ronaldo will be back. Uh, he needs a negative COVID test before the end of tomorrow, I believe, or sorry, I guess we're recording this on the Monday, but before the end of Tuesday uh, for him to be eligible, I believe for the Wednesday game uh, or something like that, or, or it's a Monday. He needs a certain amount of time, obviously before uh, they'll allow him to participate in the game, uh, which it remains to be seen whether he will. Um, that's uh, yeah. That's that's kind of where where you were at in terms of Champions League. I just want to point out, uh, you know, I just I just remember the fact that Chiesa was suspended for that for that red card, right, mm-hmm. uh, against against Verona, and you know you can tell that uh, I'm bringing this up now because you you just reminded me with, with talking about Chiesa. You can tell that they definitely missed Chiesa against the game um, against Verona, but at least like this time he's technically rested because he didn't play. Uh, due to suspension uh, for the game against uh, against Barcelona, so I'm glad that he's gonna be back in the lineup because you can tell definitely tell that uh, even though he just he just arrived, uh, you can definitely that he you can definitely tell that he made an impact uh, at Juventus already. Yeah, if it almost feels like he's become again in, in these few games that he's been there, um, he he kind of has this like rover mentality where he just kind of like rushes and and has a lot of energy, and I think that. That is what the side needs. Um, that plus, again, Dybala is now back and, and he'll have a little bit more of a uh, managing role in the squad. But uh, I think that's that's something, again, that they, they need someone who's going to go chase the ball. Weston McKinney is also going to be back as well from his COVID break. Uh, by COVID break, I mean, he had COVID and he's <laughs> back from it. Um, so that's uh, that's another substitute that, that I think will, you know, someone who can go uh, and attack and possibly win back a ball is going to be huge for that side. And, and again, Barcelona is going to be a really good test for, for Pirlo, I think, uh, and for Juventus coming off again, that, that kind of uh, drab performance against uh, Verona. Uh, Chris, I, I want you to comment this, uh, after I make this point, but uh, there's a massive di- difference between, you know, European games and Syria. You can tell that uh, against Kiev, there was uh, a bit more free flow, uh, you know. They were play- kind of playing the same way that they that they played against Verona. Everyone was going forward. They were looking at, at every opportunity to attack. But again, the, the, there's a massive difference between uh, Champions League and and Serie A. Like it's, it seems like now we're the reverse of what Allegri did <laughs> during his time was, uh, you know, where uh, Allegri was a was a master winning games in Serie A, but struggled in Europe. And I feel like Pirlo is going to be the opposite because. <laughs> Of his of his philosophy of being wide open and and you know attacking uh, attacking mentality. So, Chris, before you jump in, I yeah. I agree, Paulo, and I think that's uh, that's a really interesting point because if let's just say for for argument's sake, if Juve don't win the Scudetto this year, but they make a Champions League final and they somehow win the Champions League, I still think that's that's what they want, right? They want that this they want that more than anything. I think they you can tell again just based on his approach to Champions League, that's kind of what Pirlo's thinking about as well. Uh but again, I think it is it has been one game, so we'll see what kind of develops from there. Um but you're totally right. I think there's there's a different approach between what Allegri came in with and what we saw in that first game. 
yeah, so Paula, I, th- I think that's an interesting comment, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that kind of ends up playing itself out, where he he finds more success in Champions League than he does in Serie A. Uh, and and then to Mike's point again, it has only been you know one Champions League match and only a handful of Serie A matches, so not the biggest sample size. But I'll go back to you know the first time we discussed Pirlo and kind of his thesis. It was just that uh, you know he kind of prefers his team to play in those transition moments and wants his teams to deal with you know the chaos of of the transitions whereas if you know as we all know from watching Serie A it's a bit more tactical and uh, teams generally you know take a bit more time in their build-up and getting organized and and whatnot so uh, yeah time will tell and I guess the Barcelona game will be another big test to see if you know this theory is, is something that could come true yeah Paul does that answer your uh, your inquiry with Christopher it- no, it does, and and the thing is, is that Pilar's true test. I just want to wrap up my uh, my point. Pilar's true test is how can he uh, adapt to to Syria? I know Chris said that's a small sample size, but you know the cracks are starting to show, and he he, ha- he has to make that transition from free flowing to um, actual tactical organization. And as Chris said, you know that build up play. Uh, the only way that you're going to win in, in Syria is if you take your time and exploit the spaces that the provincial sides give to you. Yeah, fair point. Again, I, I will say, at least for, again, the small sample that we have so far, uh, we haven't had Juventus's true starting 11, right? They haven't had that that full full squad yet. Let's see what happens in a month when they have everyone back. Uh, again, Chiellini's actually, I should have mentioned, he actually got hurt early in this game, I believe, right? Yep. And he and yep. he came out, uh, and so he wasn't even available for Verona on um, on Sunday. Uh, Sunday? Yeah, Sunday. So it's it, it's going to be interesting, again, how their squad can, can come together and, and see what that kind of actual 11 looks like because they... It it was it was it worked out well this game. It might we'll see what happens with Barcelona, uh, and what kind of uh, what formation and what squad they can put together. But I think you're right, Paulo. In Serie A, like it's it's you know that that's where Allegri had a lot of um, the there wasn't as much rotation. I found with Allegri, like I think he was still uh, he was putting his full his his strongest eleven out at Serie A, and. He was also doing it in Champions League, but again, if you're putting, if you're not rotating them as much, then what what kind of success can you expect if they're burnt out midweek? You know, mm-hmm. yep. yeah. But hey, again, let's see, we'll see what happens. Uh, yep. Okay, let's uh, let's move on here. We'll go to um, the uh, next Italian side in Europe, and that was Lazio playing uh, Dortmund. Yeah, so we, I think it was Paulo who previewed Lazio and was predicting <laughs> yeah. a, a significant yeah. Lazio loss. And I mean, admittedly, I feel like most people other than Lazio fans were probably picking Lazio to lose. Uh, and they came out flying. It was, uh, you know, a 3 4 2 1 against Lazio's 3 5 2 goals from Chido Immobile, who's obviously in good form right now. A goal from Akpa Akpro, who I didn't know, but they signed him from uh, I think it was Salernitana, uh, which you don't often see too many you know players go from Salernitana to <laughs> Serie A. But uh, so he scored a goal. Go ahead, uh, Paul. Mm-hmm. 
No, I just want to point out that Lotito also owns Salerno uh, Pana, so just good point. Want to... Good point. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then there was an own goal officially. It's listed as an own goal um, from Dortmund's uh, goalkeeper Marvin Hitz. Uh, so it was three-one final for Lazio, which is a huge win because, as we all know, it's not an easy group for Lazio. Uh, Dortmund, I think we all picked to you know come out of the group, so to take three points from them and match week one is uh, is a you know I guess we we can call it an upset, call it what it is. Uh, and then Lazio's next wow. match is against uh, Club Brugge, mm-hmm. uh, Belgian club who uh, won against Zenit last week. And they scored, I think it was in the 93rd or 94th minute to win it. So uh, Lazio and Club Brugge are the two teams on three points. I just want to point out that, uh, sorry, Mike, yeah, I just you want to point out that, yeah, like I freely admit that I got that <laughs> one horribly wrong. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, like Chris, you said it that, like, you know, everyone picked Dortmund to yeah. win that game. So I, when I was, I didn't, I, I wasn't able to catch the game, but I, I was able to, to listen to the, uh, the Italian com- uh, radio commentary. And when I heard that Lazio took an early two nothing lead, I'm like, well, like, I, I mean, <laughs> I I was like, oh well, I definitely blew that that prediction. So I I really admit to to the Lazio fans uh, listening that I got that one wrong. Yeah. So our, <laughs> uh, our donkey of the week is Paulo here. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first thing I could find for a donkey brain. Uh, that's Paulo. I, I do not accept that, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> you shut up, shut up. <laughs> uh, Chris to your point uh, I think yeah like you said Dortmund are probably we all expected them to be the class of, the, of Group F there um, yeah good but, win for them yeah Lazio steal yeah. points so that's uh, good for them yeah good win for them uh, okay let's move on to uh, the next match which was the, the Wednesday and it was Inter versus uh, Borussia So I said last yeah. week um, Inter against Milan they were I found they were more unlucky and unfortunately that trend seemed to continue into this game um, they found out about four hours before the game that Ashat Hakimi had tested positive for COVID so he was unable to play um, long story short that ended up being a false positive so he was out, uh, Matteo Darmian subbed in for him, making his Inter debut. Now he played a solid game, but of course he's not Hakimi, so he doesn't have that same explosiveness going forward. Um, Inter actually took the lead at the start of the second half. Lukaku scored. Uh, Vidal gave up a penalty to Montegladbach, and then Montegladbach again scored basically from like a 30-yard breakaway. Um Scored by Hoffman, I believe. And no, that's not Exile with Senator Mike Hoffman. We'll continue with that trend. Um, <laughs> and then Lukaku was able to bury one in the 89th minute, at least to save the draw. Now, the reason I say Inter were unlucky again was because Mönchengladbach had no other shots on target. They had their penalty and they had that one breakaway from 30 yards out and nothing else all game. Inter had a couple other chances where they could have scored. Um, unfortunately, they didn't. Now, they did get lucky with Shakhtar beating Madrid earlier that day as well. Um, so they go into Shakhtar, I mean, tomorrow technically, but when it's released, it'll be today. Hopefully, they can get a win and they'll still be top of their group. Yeah, I don't want to throw salt in the wound there, but I definitely think Hakimi makes 
a big difference. Again, we all agreed that he was a significant upgrade at, at that position in a formation that relies on those on that wing back position. So it's unfortunate that he wasn't able to play because I think he, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, Inter wins if he plays, but I, he definitely improves our chances of doing it. And um, I'm sure he's, you know, probably the most upset because he wanted to play. But uh, yeah, I think that's a big loss for them. Yeah, my biggest concern when that was announced was I was literally thinking to myself, like, here we go again. More players yeah. are going to get COVID positive tests now because he was literally practicing with the team the day mm-hmm. before. And then luckily, and I mean, I guess now the luck has turned and luckily enough, it was false positive. Right. Uh, and just to, again, you, you mentioned that on Tuesday they're playing Shakhtar. Uh, and, yeah, sorry, I, I missed it. Did you mention that Shakhtar is yeah, first? Yeah, they, they beat Real Madrid 3-2 to two, um, on the opening match day, but Inter recently played Shakhtar in the Europa League, actually, and they were the ones they beat 5 nothing. Shakhtar also so, had, I mean, uh, I think, like 10 or 11 guys out due to COVID against Madrid. Uh, I might be off by one or two there, but yeah, it was a I read significant well. number. Yeah. Uh, and I believe, didn't they actually... Uh, hold on, I just want to check this here before I just, just spew it out. And then... out but, uh, uh, yeah. Spew it and then, and then <laughs> we'll go, back, go back. After. Walk, yeah. walk it back after. Uh, no, actually, you know what? I'm thinking of... Um, I'm thinking of Barcelona. Didn't uh, PK get a red card? So he's not even going to yeah. feature against Juventus. That's correct. Yeah. Yeah, Ramos? I was. Gonna, I thought it was. Um, I thought it. Yeah, was, he did not play uh, against Shakhtar. Yeah, Ramos, but it wasn't. Yeah, he was suspended yeah. from the season before, I think, or I think. Right. Okay. Yeah, maybe that's why it was on my brain. But yeah, actually, yeah, just uh, to go back five minutes there, and uh, that's promising for Juventus that uh, the PK is not going to feature. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Um. No, I think I'm pretty much. That's about it. Hopefully, Inter gets the win, and then they can go top of the group uh, before their game against Real Madrid next week. So, Hakimi yeah. starts All right. against against Shakhtar. Yeah, from what I've seen, Hakimi will start, um, and they're actually predicting Ashley Young to start Oof. on the left wing back as well, because he's recovered from right. COVID. Okay, uh, okay that, that's like two upgrades for Inter, and, you know, that bodes well going into the game. Yeah, I've been... I know I said earlier on in the season, I really... I thought Perisic could do well at the left wing back position, but he's just decision making is way too slow. He slows down the play every time he has the ball. So hopefully Young will kind of speed things up a little bit. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, young players tend to Paulo, I appreciate you getting into the festive uh, mood here with uh, with your your Halloween booze. I really appreciate that. Okay, let's uh, let's move on then, uh, and we'll talk about the next uh, the last Champions League game for an Italian squad, which was Atalanta uh, against Midland. So Atalanta came out uh, four nothing winners uh, against Midland. Uh, it's about to open the scoring when uh, Taloy crossed it for Mojica. Who cushioned the header to to, to Zabata, who uh, who, who uh, provided a clinical finish uh, at the far post? Uh, Gomez doubled uh, the score from a twenty-yard bullet, uh, probably the best goal of the game. Uh, Atlanta scored their third goal of the first half after uh, Muriel finished 
in, in the six yard box from a uh, Zupan uh, Zupata, sh- uh, Zupata shot. Uh, and then uh, Miranchuk scored his first goal for Atlanta with uh, Mike. I think you'd appreciate a doink uh, from his uh, from his left foot. Uh, uh, that I, I think the Gomez goal was better than the doink, but the doink deserves um, honorable mention. Uh, from was it, it a full doink? It was. A, it, it looked like it was like a kind of that floater chip with the left foot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah proper, proper, proper doink. doink. Okay. <laughs> uh, for me, the man of the match was Zapata. Actually, he just literally dominated the game uh, almost uh, while he was on. All three goals were essentially created by him. Uh, so the next game is against Ajax. Uh, again, they're looking to rebound from uh, from the performance in Syria. Uh, I mentioned. Uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned earlier when when I was discussing uh, the Sampdoria game that. Uh, I, Ilicic, I don't think Ilicic is going to start this game. I think uh, Lammers or, uh, again, Moranchuk might might be in line for the start. And uh, it bodes well for Atlanta because I think it'll be, it'll be, um, they'll be more, uh, they'll be faster uh, in their plane, especially in Europe where uh, you're able to take advantage of, again, those open spaces that uh, against teams that are not as tactical as other Italian teams. Um, Ajax, uh, has, it has to be mentioned that Ajax is going into this game after a 13 nothing win in their league game. Uh, so I just wanted to, mm-hmm. to point that out. Yeah. So they're coming yeah. guns blazing. Uh, they, we, we haven't, I guess we talked a little bit in past episodes, but uh, Group D is, is, again, there's Liverpool who we kind of expect to go through. Um, uh, Atlanta, Ajax, and Midland. So this is this is a big game for Atlanta, right? Because they need to make sure, even though they won their, you know, they took all the points that they needed to take against uh, Midland, they're still this uh, these two fixtures against Ajax are going to what's determine that second and possibly mm-hmm. first spot, right? Like you have to you have to imagine that Atlanta need to take these points to to kind of uh, fight their way against, scrap their way into um, the post group. So- okay, let's. Um, Let's. I think that's about it for Atalanta. Let's. Uh, why don't we take a quick break here, and uh, when we come back, we'll go over the Europa League ties. Uh, so we'll be right back. And we're back. Uh, okay, so let's uh, go through Europa League now, and we'll start off with uh, the Wolf. Actually, got to mark that down. That's number seven. <laughs> on a spooky Halloween show. Uh, and, uh, hey, we might have some ghosts in this recording. We'll find out, obviously, when we, when we post this. But, <laughs> oof, there some, might be some, some ghosts. Some gremlins. <laughs> mix, pulling some cords out and uh, messing with our internet. Yeah. There's something on the side of the phone. Like that plane. <laughs> like a, yeah. Anyways. Um, okay, let's <laughs> move into Europa League. And... Uh, we had Roma facing not the same. Uh, don't call me Cristiano Ronaldo's young boys. Uh, young Good boys. work. I like it. <laughs> um, so Roma actually. Um, sorry, young boys actually took the lead to start this game. Uh, Roma gave up a penalty through Cristante. Um, just kind of hip checked the young boys player and ref pointed to the spot. Um, so they went up with nothing, but then Roma did well to fight back. And they were able to actually get the win towards the end of the game, two to one. Um, now Thursday coming up, they play against Cheska Sofia, um, which again should be 
relatively easier game. Um, but as we saw with their first game, really, you never know. Yeah, the one thing I did like um, that um, Fonseca did, there was a bit of squad rotation. So uh, Villar started in midfield, I think, for Vertu. Uh, I don't think Spinazzola started. I know Zeko didn't start. So it's good for Roma that they were able to come away with the three points and not have you know, all of their main players play 90 minutes. Uh, you know, obviously against Milan, their, you know, top players played big minutes. So I would expect to see some more squad rotation. So good on them if they can rotate the squad and then still get the points they need. Yeah, for sure. I just want to mention there were two unlikely scorers as well in Bruno Perez and Marash Kumbula. <laughs> so not, uh, hey, that, not the two you'd that's, be expecting to score. Yeah, and that's two goals this week for Kumbula. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, good for him. Yeah, one against Milan. Hey, oh. Hey, oh. Hey, oh. Yeah. Um, okay, let's uh, let's move on from that and uh, we'll go to. Actually, this was a surprising result. Uh, I think we kind of, in a rare, uh, I think, just stumble for Napoli this season so far. Um, Napoli played AZ uh, Alkmaar and they actually lost one nothing. Um, yeah, it's uh, I, I say rare, obviously, because they they've been having a very strong season in Serie A, and uh, we actually expected AZ actually had a very rotated squad because a lot of their players had tested positive, I believe, for COVID before this game, uh, so they had to do some scrambling, I believe. But uh, yeah. Yeah, so it was it was a rotated squad for Alkmaar. And then, obviously, uh, you know, with Napoli um, and, you know, the way they had been playing going up into that game, you would definitely, uh, you know, think they would come away with the three points against Alkmaar. I think this is where we need to see a bit of an, you know, evolution in Gattuso and how he manages games. He, you know, he has a system that works with Napoli right now. You know, if you're, excuse me, if you're in the 70th minute and you're still, you know, drawing or losing to Alkmaar, I think he has to make those tactical changes quicker. I think Patania coming on, you know, earlier in games like that will make a big difference. Paulo, you alluded to Patania and him having a positive impact on their season. So I think, you know, I hope anyways that Catuzo kind of learned another lesson from that. He's still fairly young in his managerial career. And, you know, I, I'm pretty sure Napoli will come up with a different plan for the next time they, they play Alkmaar and we'll have a different showing because that's definitely a game they should be winning and winning convincingly. And again, no disrespect to Alkmaar, but um, I don't think they had any business winning that game. Yeah, and to to your point, again, we, we have talked about, you know, like Conte specifically about how he's, you know, now he's been managing uh, his substitutions better, but prior to, you know, what we've seen this season, he, he kind of relied on, on a heavy use of, of the squad that he, he thought was the best squad going forward. Um, but yeah, like you're probably right. I think they're there. I think after the goal, we saw Insigne come on, you know, we saw a couple more. Um, Bakayoko Bakayoko comes, came on. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I was going to say that Bakayoko had a strong game this weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's another thing that, you know, he probably can make a difference in a game like this as well, where, you know, they, they maybe, they, they took, a, took this game, I'll take a little too lightly, uh, probably unfortunate that it just ends up one, nothing and, and they don't get anything from it, but still that's, again, that's, these are the games that they probably should have won, which, uh, it's just unfortunate that they, they don't come away with anything at the end of it. Yep. 
yeah. I know because uh, I, I wasn't able to catch the game, but I was able to, to listen to the uh, uh, radio commentary in Italian, and that uh, the commentator mentioned that Napoli has a poor record in European competition against Dutch uh, opponents. And uh, again, that just that record, uh, you know, just got worse for Napoli. Uh, and I just also I just wanted to point out that uh, uh, speaking about Bakayoko, uh, he came off injured, uh, seemed to be a knee injury. Uh, I don't know if there was any uh, further reports about that today. I don't know, Mike. Mike, if you can take a look, but uh, it, it's it's a shame that he had to come off injured against against Benevento. Because uh, you know, yeah, actually had you know two good games in a row, uh, so hopefully uh, it won't be such a. Hopefully, it's not a long term injury for for Bakayoko. Uh, I don't see much. I just see Getsu saying, "I hope it's nothing serious," which makes sense. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, it says he. Yeah, within fifteen minutes, with fifteen minutes to go in the second half, so that's when he he got injured. Uh, yeah, yeah, fair points. Um, so. Uh, Napoli's next game is against uh, uh, Lazio's David. I mean uh, Real Sociedad's David or David Silva's Real Sociedad. <laughs> oh, that's what I was trying to get out there. But uh, <laughs> so we'll see again. They're they're probably one of the uh, in that group um, is it, who they we kind of expect to go through. So this will be one of the stronger games uh, and and a test for Napoli in Europa this year. And, and, uh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, and now ahead. it becomes a must well, must win game if they want to uh, qualify for the round of, uh, round of thirty two. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Because that that's that's the issue, right? When you lose points and and not even lose points when you don't get any points from uh, from a game like that, uh, it has repercussions on one the games that you can afford to slip up on. And again, if you're going coming away and drawing those other teams like Real Sociedad once, and you know as opposed to drawing these other teams, those are the points that you can lose, not, not these ones. So it's, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens on, uh, on Thursday. Uh, okay, let's move forward to uh, Milan uh, playing Celtic this week, or last week. So Milan, yeah, Milan Celtic at Celtic Park. And, uh, you know, we spoke about this last week, but in our, under normal circumstances with, you know, a full Celtic Park, those spectators would have played a role in it. Of course, uh, I think there were some spectators there, but not many. Uh, anyways, Milan, in my opinion, dominated the first half, as I think most people would have expected. Um, Celtic did pull one back in the second half to make it 2-1. Um, had a couple of half chances to, to draw near at 2-2, but I, Milan, I think, was in control for the majority of the game. Um, again, so came away with the three points as most people outside of Scotland would have probably predicted. And then their next match is against Sparta Praha. Uh, and that's a match at the San Siro. So a home match for Milan. So I am expecting a bit of a rotation. Um, Sandro Tonali started the game uh, against Celtic. I think he'll start this match again. We may also see Krunic start. Uh, Castilejo might get a start. So again, a bit of squad rotation as we're starting to see that trend come in for um all the study uh, clubs involved points. in Europe. Uh, you mentioned Krunic, and I, f- I thought it was interesting that he started on the wing uh, against Celtic. Uh, I thought he actually had mm-hmm. a had a pretty good game. Uh, and then uh, my, my other point is that uh, Hauga, who tested positive before uh, the game against uh, Roma, uh, scored Milan's third goal. 
yeah, he uh, he had a good you know cameo, whatever it was, ten or fifteen minutes, I think it was. Um, unfortunate that you know he came down with COVID, but uh, I think there's enough squad depth that we can still put in a good performance against Sparta Prague. Yeah, without and uh, this game actually, um, I, I just want to note had uh, another fierce battle between uh, Kyer and Ayer. <laughs> 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 uh, and another funny, funny name. Hold on, it's uh, it's not exactly this, but it's close enough. Doctor Nick Riviera, remember me? Well, it's <laughs> my old friend, Mister McGreg, with a leg for an arm and a leg. <laughs> it was actually uh, McGregor, but again, I couldn't uh, couldn't pass that up. Yeah, you uh, up sorry, uh, do you have it? Pass yeah, up a, uh, a gratuitous Simpsons reference. Eh? Of, co- of course. Uh, <laughs> sorry, does anyone else have anything of value to add to, <laughs> to that analysis? <laughs> I like how you okay. included anything of that value was it for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We shoot for the stars here. Well, uh, that's okay. why we, we read it this way, Mike. <laughs> what? Just come on! I was trying to, to, you know, make a pun with her, with her, uh, you know, title. (laughs) That's number eight. All right. Um, I think it's time for a serious minute. Yes, yes. Let's move on here. So, uh, Paulo takes away a city of B minute. Okay. So, I just want to give a couple of notable results. Uh, I know me and Chris watched uh, Empoli Pisa on Friday. Empoli won three one. Uh, Monza lost 2-1 to Kievo. I just want to point out that uh, Kevin Prince Boateng scored Monza's goal. And Mike, our beloved Pescara, <laughs> lost 2-0 to Frozinone. Man, Yeah. Uh, so uh, just a uh, quick uh, top five of the Serie B standings. Uh, Empley's in third, uh, sorry, first place with 13 points. Salernitana in second with 11 points. Cittadella in third place with 10 points but they only played four games because their game against Regina was postponed because of 20-plus uh, cases for Regina, wow. uh, of COVID, that is. Mamma mia. Yeah, that is a lot, yeah. Frozenone um, in fourth That's place crazy. with 10 points, and Kievo in fifth with 10 points as well. Uh, and Mike, again, our beloved Pescara is in last place with one point. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. Uh, very quickly, I'm going to add to that. The Empoli jerseys yes. were super sharp. It was an old school jersey. Um, uh, anyways, I don't. Know if, I'm assuming it's their third so it, kit. It, uh, so it was yeah, uh, that up. Their Empoli's third kit. Was nice. jersey. Uh, also, their yeah, their their goalkeeper all black uh, kit was very sharp as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's a it's a great city to be a minute. Um, now, I haven't really been marking a lot of points here. Paulo, again, earlier on, I gave you a, a minus 50. Um, I just I have it scribbled here. It says something about scary. Oh, they're scary points. Got it. So you have minus 50 scary points. Uh, <laughs> I also i am going to give you another 50, minus 50. Not because of, you know, yeah, honestly, I think it's just because of habit at this point. But you didn't mention that Ibra is now the capo canonier with six goals. Yeah, but, uh, and, and, and no part of your analysis did you talk about that. And for that, yeah, I'm uh, not the resident Milan fan here. Okay, so, so. <laughs> Paulo, I don't care. You're an expert. We pay you to be an expert. Uh, another, another, another Simpsons <laughs> reference right there too. Just... 
Remember? Is it Tommy Lee Jones? Millhouse? I don't care. <laughs> I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> that was a spooky reference there. That's not spooky. That wasn't as spooky. Minus 1,000 points for Paul Lennon. Um, minus 1,000 points? I only have minus 100. I'm just making a joke. Because the joke was the points don't matter. How many times do I have to tell you, Mike? Good, good, good stuff. Okay, um, I think that's it for the show. Uh, so that was uh, that was a great Halloween show. We didn't have as much spookiness as I uh, would have liked uh, from. From Howlo Fangagoni, uh, Chris Beskeleton, uh, and Oogly Boogly Boogly. <laughs> um, but uh, what we will do, uh, if uh, everything else is, is good on your part, everybody, that uh, we'll, we'll play us out with another, with a, a classic uh, Halloween song. Is that good? Yeah, good. sounds good. All right. So thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, and we'll, we'll hopefully, uh, we'll see you next week. Man. He did the master. It was a graveyard smash. He did the master.